Welcome to the Kyra Mom Podcast. Three moms who are chiropractors discussing life, health, business, and friendship. We know how hard it is to try to be everything for everybody. We believe you can do anything, but not everything. I'm Dr. Holly, lover of all things numbers and health. I'm a profit coach for chiropractors, wife to a sports chiro, and mom to two kid chefs. And I'm Dr. Sarah, founder of a wellness center in rural Wyoming. I'm a wife, mother, and lover of horses, books, and mountains. I'm Dr. Goldie, a small biz CEO, a business coach for Cairo Moms, and a wife, mother, California mermaid, and a mini farmer. If you are a stressed out, overwhelmed mom trying to do it all, you're in the right place. Hello. Welcome to the Cairo Mom Podcast. We are so excited. Episode 15. Our topic today is even chiropractors get back pain. It's true. We hate to admit it, but you know what? Accidents happen. Life happens. Shitty beds happen when you travel. Repetitive strain happens. We'll talk a little bit about our own experiences with back pain today, but first we'll talk about what we're reading. So Holly, what are you reading right now? Tell us about. I actually just finished a book um, that was called What Alice Forgot. And I really super enjoyed this book. And I have a habit of um, if somebody recommends a book to me or if it's in our book club or something like I don't want to know really anything about it. I just want to dive right in and have it all be a surprise. So I don't read like the back cover or any synopsis or anything like that. So this book, um, I actually listened to it on um, Audible. I felt like it actually could have ended after the first couple of chapters and it would have been a really um, amazing short story. So the premise of the story, and I don't think that I'm giving away anything by saying this, is what Alice forgot. So she's um, a woman that is um, about to turn 40, but she has a fall and has a head injury and she forgets 10 years of her life. So all of a sudden she's like having all these emotions and all these feelings about like when she was first pregnant and when she and her husband were first married and like, you know, they're still in the honeymoon phase and, but her reality is not that whatsoever. And so, you know, the book continues to go on, you know, just talking about, you know, what happened, you know, in life and everything like that. Like you said, something about life happens, right? We're all real people. But I think it just would have been an amazing short story too, to even like remind us like about rekindling relationships and like remembering what's important and things like that. So I would highly recommend it. Well, that sounds really good. I'm definitely adding that to my list. Um, I just finished a very different book than that. It's called How to Do the Work by, um, crap, I can't remember her last name. It's Dr. Nicole, Dr. Nicole LaPera, I believe, something like that. She goes by the holistic psychologist on Instagram. That's how I first found her. And it was just such a good read. It's It's not light reading. It's pretty heavy, like, you know, work through each chapter. But I think all of us have childhood stuff that if we don't work through, it kind of catches up with you at some point. And so I just think so many people could benefit from that book if you feel like that this is the time for you. So highly recommend. She just has a beautiful way of presenting um, the same things that I've read in different places, but just such a good read. It just came out. Did you read it um, paper book, paper or audio? I did. I I read most things. Well, I do paper or Kindle and I 
I always prefer to actually have the book in my hand for well, the yeah. most part. I've seen pictures of your lending library at your clinic. <laughs> you have a lot of I books I have there. a problem. I Yes, I like to buy books and actually own them too. I, I should go to the library more, but I, I like to mark them up and like turn corner, you know, mark turn the corners of the pages, especially with this one. That was, I was, you know, there's lots of journaling prompts in the book and yeah, that would be definitely one I would recommend having the actual, the actual paper book. That's cool. Yeah, Any other books, guys? To my list. I remember hearing listening to a podcast a couple years ago and it was, uh, someone was interviewing a psychologist and I remember them saying that when you're dealing with like repressed childhood trauma, Sometimes, you know, for some reason, I remember her saying specifically that, like, the age that tends to bubble up is, like, 34, and, like, where you start working on it and start being more aware of it. And I think at the time I was 32, so I was like, ooh, uh, apparently (laughs) I'm going to be in the mindset in a couple years to work on that stuff. So I'm 34 right now. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it's a good time. I think I want to mention, too, that um, what I've learned about trauma in the last year or two, I've been doing a lot of reading on trauma, which really helps me in dealing with my patients, especially. But trauma, you get like big T trauma, which is the stuff you think about with trauma, like abuse and violence and things like that. But little T trauma is just, you know, little things that build up over time. And both are very valid. And I think it's really important to not um, think that your stuff isn't worth you know, maybe working through because you don't have the big T trauma. That's really important for people to kind of think about. And she goes through that in the book. And all of the stuff she covers on, you know, the the, the last chapter on how to move forward and live your life is all the stuff that we've already covered. It's like exercise and connection and all the stuff that we've covered in our previous episodes. It's all the same. I'm curious, um, I was talking with a patient of mine. She said she's, I don't I have to figure out the name. I'll have to ask her the name of the book, but she said she was reading about trauma, childhood trauma, lowercase t, and its connection to autoimmune disease later in life, which I think Holly, right, comes up in our 30s, especially for women. Um, curious, does she talk about that at all in her book, Sarah? I, she doesn't really go that far. In, in this book, it's more like how to work through your own stuff. Um, but I've, I've read other books like um, The Body Keeps the Score mm. is a really good read on trauma and how it absolutely is. Con- and it's full of really good research um, and just, you know, how it's connected to different things. Um, Louise Hay, her book on um, I think it's just called How to Heal Your Life. Like that's pretty deep into that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. I need, to, I need to touch back on the body keeps the score. I actually had a, a lending library in the last practice, and there was um, a young man who was very um, on par with a lot of the stuff that I was talking about with, like, you know, traditional methods and acupuncture and that sort of thing. So I lent him several books and never saw him again. So I need to order a couple more of those. That one in particular I know was in that. Um, there's another one with a, with a tiger in the title. So, Dr. Goldie, what have you been reading this week? I I am reading a book called Of Gold and Dust by Samantha Willis. She's an Australian um, jewelry designer, creative jewelry designer. And um, she says in her book, you know, it took her 11 years to become an overnight success. And so it's her entrepreneurial story um, mixed with a lot of... um, 
you know, her struggles, of course, of growing and scaling and, and not getting help at the right time and hiring and getting investors. I mean, she has like a million dollar brand, you know, and kind of how, how, you know, I think what I really enjoy about the story is that she mixes in a lot of like intuition and divine intervention as she, you know, sort of like the universe has her back. And um, for me, I enjoy it because it's it's interesting to hear her entrepreneurial journey, but also how she sees, like, she was about to make this one decision, and then another one came at her at the same time, and the the sliding doors kind of thing. Like, what if she had signed this contract but not this one, for example? And um, I just, I really I'm just really enjoying it. How did you find that book? Um, Instagram recommended somebody was like, "Oh, I'm reading this book. It's really great." <laughs> Like, well, that sounds interesting. Yeah. A badass female entrepreneur, you know, growing a big brand. The struggles of becoming an overnight success. You know, I think when I speak to students at the chiropractic school, they see, oh, wow, Dr. Boldy, you're so successful in business. You've got a podcast and, you know, whatever, coaching business. It's like, yeah, but I friggin' struggled for 15 years to get here. Um, so just the fact that, that her sort of primary message is that it took her 11 years to be an overnight success really appealed to me. Absolutely. And she goes through all the usual struggles. So today we were going to talk about back pain. Are we ready to dive in? Chiropractic. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, one of the things I'm wondering is, you know, I think Sarah, you have a really interesting um, experience with, chiropractic and back pain. Tell me a story about your um, back pain and getting adjusted. I don't know. It's like, I was sort of thinking, oh, it'd be interesting to hear your very first story, but I know your dad was a chiropractor. So (laughs) yes, lucky me. My dad is a chiropractor. I, um, I don't remember my first. I really don't. I definitely had some very significant falls off of horses as a teenager. Um, which I really feel like I pay for now as I'm getting old, (laughs) almost 40, um, which is what I see happen in my patients all the time. I swear you like hit 35 and you have to start, you know, taking care of your body because it starts to really talk to you. Um, But one of the things I wanted to talk about that I have really struggled with, and I don't know if you guys have done the same thing, but I kind of started out my career as a chiropractor in the first, I don't know, 10 years, maybe even feeling like, I should not have back pain because I was a chiropractor. And anytime I would be in trouble with, you know, my back locking up, um, I was just didn't want to talk about it with anybody. I'd, I was super frustrated with my body. I was um, just really mad that I was dealing with this. I felt like I should be immune to this because I have all this training. But the frustrating, I think one of the most frustrating things about being a chiropractor is for the most part, we cannot adjust ourselves <laughs> for the most part. I, there's a few things that we can do. And I know some people who can, you know, do think more than I can do to myself, but we really can't do that. And so we rely on other chiropractors to keep us in good shape. And I think a lot of us are maybe not so good at getting adjusted as often as we should. I definitely have had seasons of that in my life. Um, so those are, those are things I've struggled with in the past. I've definitely just learned to be more gentle with myself and 
like of course i it's really normal for me to get back pain again i've fallen off of a lot of horses um and unless i take good care of myself i i suffer yeah i mean i you know my husband's a chiropractor so i can theoretically be adjusted whenever i want but i will say that since we don't practice together anymore so for the last two and a half years it's not been a consistent thing and i think yes yeah, i'm right at that age where i'll be 35 this year so I have had the last couple of years, like more episodes with my low back versus, um, you know, when I was a teenager, I had more upper back, like between my shoulder blades. And that's actually what took me to a chiropractor. So I knew, you know, like when everything clicked for me, like, oh, this is awesome. This is professions this is what I want to do. I came into it knowing like I'm here because I can sympathize with my patients because I've had back pain. Right. So but this this low back thing is a little different. So my um, husband and I have practiced together for seven years. Um, so, you know, I probably got adjusted once a week, we would adjust each other and, um, everything was great, but we do have a table at home, but it's, um, it's more of a flat bench. So for all of you listening out there who are not chiropractors and maybe aren't familiar with the different types of techniques and tables and that sort of thing, um, I think there's over like 200 different techniques in the chiropractic profession of ways you can be adjusted or ways you can be assessed to be adjusted. Um, but there's varying degrees of what the table and the equipment can do to, to help the chiropractor to do the adjustment. So um, I prefer to be adjusted on a table that has more bells and whistles, <laughs> essentially, um, than the one that we have at home. So just last week, I actually uh, went to go see a colleague of mine because I needed to have my low back worked on and my husband was out of town. And um, it's just not convenient, actually, for me to go to his office. <laughs> <laughs> so it was more convenient for me to go see a friend of mine to get adjusted. And uh, we're all okay with that. So yeah, now I feel great. <laughs> I can totally relate. I enjoy getting adjusted by lots of different chiropractors. Like that's, yeah, because we all do things a little bit differently. And, and you never know when something is going to be super awesome for your body. Oh my God, Sarah, you are an incredible adjuster. I remember getting adjusted by you and just being like, wow, Thanks. she is so skilled. <laughs> That <laughs> was a great adjustment. Um, but I can relate to the feeling of shame around having a major back episode. I think it was baby episode one. I shared the story about um, my first experience with chiropractic care and having torticollis, which is an acute neck pain and stiffness, um, which I've suffered with off and on ever since. And I don't mind sharing that story often with my patients. But when I, it was about eight years ago, I had a back injury that was a disc bulge, um, and I had sciatic pain all the way down my leg, numbness, tingling, motor weakness. I, I convinced myself that, you know, I needed emergency surgery because I was having diarrhea, which we sort of know is a um, red flag and, you know, insist, you know, anyway, so I, I did, I got an MRI and I was on a lot of pain medications that week. I had to take the whole week off. Um, I just remember feeling awful that I had to take these medications to get through the week. Um, the incident happened and my husband was traveling. He was racing at the time. He's a professional cyclist. I believe he was in South America or, or, Australia. I can't remember where he was, but it was really far away. And I, I injured myself, right? I got the, the, the MRI and the pain medications. They put me on um, Flexerol and Tramadol. And I remember losing track of like five hours of my day and waking up and being like, are my, 
like, oh my gosh, it's afternoon. Where are my kids? Like, what have they been doing for the last five hours? And um, calling him and saying, you know, you need to come home. I can't manage this pain and the children on my own. And um, I was really ashamed for a long time to, to, you know, sort of admit that I had to do physical therapy, that I, you know, was looking into maybe getting steroid injections to manage the symptoms. And, you know, I never did. I was able to manage it with chiropractic treatments and physical therapy and a lot of massage therapy and a lot of mind over matter. Um, but it was a hard, it was a really hard thing to go through. It was very painful. And I do believe that that experience have, has given me more empathy for my patients, right? And so that's nice. I can share my journey with people. Not everyone chooses to not have the steroid injections and, um, you know, and I know chiropractors that have actually gone in and had micro discectomies after back injuries. Like we do what we have to do to deal with the sort of pain that comes with these really intense um, situations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the more I have just kind of rolled with that and let go of my feeling like I needed to be some superhuman yeah. <laughs> um, chiropractor, like the more I can relate to my patients, like you said, and I can be super real and tell them exactly, you know, how, I, I know exactly how they're feeling. And I can tell them how bad of a patient I am in my, you know, telling them what they should do. I can you know, kind of joke with them and say, don't do what I do. And, you know, go right back into lifting stuff because you're going to have to pay for it and things like that. So it gives us a lot of um, more depth of empathy for our patients. That's for sure. Yeah. And I mean, being able to help patients, you know, get back to activity is really important. You know, I know my husband being in the sports setting and doing a lot of active rehab, like, you know, I've, I've tested that on myself. It's like, yeah, I can go get adjusted, but I still need to do more. I need to do strengthening, you know, so I don't end up right back on that. You can't rely on just getting adjusted to do that. So, I mean, like I do, I do kettlebell exercises and, um, kind of have slacked off for <laughs> the last probably two years and how much I used to do that and how active I used to be. But that's actually one of the first things that I do right after I get adjusted is I will go and do a kettlebell workout because I know it's so um, important for my core and everything else to just go and strengthen those muscles. And I feel like it just helps the adjustment last even longer. So as long as you do it the right way, it's, it's heavy lifting, but it's doing it ergonomically the right way as long as you're trained in it. Over the past, oh gosh, oh, three or four years now, I've gotten, um, way more consistent with my exercise because I work out with a personal trainer and I, as long as I do that consistent, you know, what I tell my patients is you have to do two things. You have to move your body regularly. So walking or running or whatever kind of movement you enjoy, and you've got to strengthen those muscles that will help to make up for those weak spots you have in your back. So I know I have some weak spots in the very bottom of my lower back from falling off of horses. And so I've got to work on my core and my glutes consistently all like, you know, three times a week. Um, and get adjusted frequently enough to keep me moving properly. Um, for one thing, we have a physical job. Like, um, it depends on what techniques you you use. But I, you know, am using different parts of my body all day long when I'm adjusting patients. And so if I don't take care of myself, I will also be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, shoulder injuries are really common for chiropractors. You have to learn, you know, pretty early on how to do things that are going to be safe for your body over the tenure of however, you know, however long your career is going to be. If you're going to be actively adjusting patients for 30 or 40 years, then you have to 
set up to do things right. I remember going to chiropractic school and being like, are they going to assess me that I can actually do this? It didn't, the assessment didn't happen. It was just like, here's the lab. Here's how you do it. Go do it. So it's like, I have to seek out, you know, especially as being women to seek out other women mentors to, you know, figure this out. Like how do you leverage your body and use it so that it's, you know, it's, it's also a common misconception that, you know, women, can't adjust like a man can and things like that. So I think that's another one of those hurdles we have to overcome. Definitely. It's all about physics. Yeah. All about levers. I'm perfectly okay telling, you know, somebody who's way larger than me, if I can't adjust them, you need to go find a big, bigger dude chiropractor. Um, it doesn't happen often because, right, we do learn how to leverage our body and, their, and our patients' bodies and teach them to relax in a way that allows for the adjustments to go easier. But my school... At the time, most of the technique, adjusting technique instructors were all older men. And um, I don't think we got a great education on the ergonomics of adjusting. I feel blessed that I went to massage school prior, and that was a huge um, part of our education. So I had that coming in you know, to the program and that awareness of my body, their ergonomics in the treatment room and, and working through that over the years. That's interesting, Goldie. I wonder... What's, oh, I was going to ask you what your perception of was, which one, which profession's harder on the body, do you think? Hmm. Massage or chiropractic? Oh, that's a good question. They're both really physically exhausting <laughs> moving around. And, I, you know, I blend both. So <laughs> lucky me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I'm trying to lower, lighten my patient care hours per week right now. Because my arm is tired. I get tired. Yeah. I get really tired. So I wanted to talk a little bit about my experience of getting adjusted regularly um, versus just when I was hurting. I have always tried to be really, I think I'm really good about getting massage on a regular basis. And I've been good about that for many, many years um, because I just find getting an hour or 90 minute massage so incredibly luxurious and feels so good in my body. I didn't I didn't go to a chiropractic school with a strong focus on wellness and, and, and selling wellness care for patients. So we very much were like, it was very much a catch and release kind of <laughs> chiropractic philosophy. People come in in pain, you adjust them, and then you release them until they have their next episode of low back pain. Um, and so as I've focused on my own self-care and adding regular chiropractic adjustments to the mix um, and having chiropractors in my clinic so that I could get adjusted regularly. Now, uh, I think the first associate I hired a couple years ago was the, probably the, the first time I really noticed the benefit of getting adjusted regularly. You know, So when it was hurting, getting adjusted two or three times in the week, because that timing worked more for me, um, going 30 minutes downtown to see my favorite chiropractor across the county was was hard. Um, but having a chiropractor in the clinic made it much more accessible. And I love the feeling of, of noticing when I have a little thing out of alignment in my neck and just getting it treated right away. And that has prevented those acute flare-ups of torticollis that I tend to suffer from. Um, and certainly the acute back episodes have diminished. I've seen the exact same thing. Yeah, I used to get frequent episodes of torticollis and low back spasm, you know, every couple months. And I would, those things would lay me up for several days. And I should be knocking on all the wood right now, but I haven't had either <laughs> one. 
in quite a while because I've been way more diligent about getting adjusted in the last year or so. Thank you, Dr. Nathan. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Nathan. Right? (laughs) Totally. Thank heavens. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like a lot of people come in and they ask me or they're, they're really frustrated. They're like, why does my back hurt? You know, I haven't done anything. And so what I'm educating my patients on all day long is that basically we were designed as humans to be hunters and gatherers. We were not designed to be computer sitters. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's the bottom line as to why we can't, we don't just get to feel good all the time without some effort. Like your body was designed to move. And when you don't move it regularly in a good way, things are going to lock up on you. And and so living a healthy life without back pain requires movement in a good way. And it requires doing the opposite of what you do all day in front of a computer. If that's your job, you got to do yoga or, you know, regular stretching. You got to get up from your desk frequently and you got to have good ergonomics or that stuff is going to catch up with you. Anything you do too much repetitively in the same way will catch up with you if you don't, you know, really do deliberate things in your lifestyle to make up for it. Yeah, I mean, just like we were talking about at the beginning of this episode of the big T and the little T when it comes to emotional trauma, same thing is true for, you know, your spine. I mean, it doesn't have to be a car accident or a fall off of a horse or something like that. It could literally be just the time that you sit at your computer or the way you bend over to unload the dishwasher or picking up your kids. I mean, little things like that add up. And it may only take like just bending over the wrong way when you're brushing your teeth for it all of a sudden to, whoa, big spasm, you know, blow, you know, quote, blow your back out. And it's like, now I can't move (laughs) because you had all those little micro traumas. Or your bad mattress or slinging your child or several children on your left hip for years at a time. Um, All those things add up. I'm literally making the transition right now from sitting to standing while we're recording this podcast because I'm sitting in the such a good idea kitchen of um, the condo here and the chair is not like I have at the shed. <laughs> Speaking of that, do either of you have like a sit to stand desk or anything like that? Like I have room to stand up at my desk, but my desk doesn't elevate. And I, I ordered one a couple of years ago and it just was too clunky and it didn't fit. So I sent it back, but I'm curious, you know, if either of you invested in any of those for you or for your staff in your offices. I um I invested in those for my team when we built our new building. My my team has um, standing and sitting desks that just raise and lower at the touch of a button, which they really love. I have not done that for myself. I frankly don't spend a lot of time at one time sitting in front of my desk, which I'm really grateful for. And I have like a laptop, a funky laptop set up um, with an extra keyboard and mouse so that I'm not like hunched over my laptop. And I'm pretty careful about that. So I would kind of like to have a sit to stand, but I honestly spend so much time walking around my office adjusting people that I don't sit for too many hours. It's such a good idea. Standing is your documentation like standing in the rooms or do you have to sit down on an iPad? So I'm typically yeah, I'm actually usually standing at a counter with my iPad doing my patient notes. We just installed a little um it looks like a cabinet on the wall, but it flips down and you can put your laptop on that. So I, I'm like you, Sarah, I really don't spend a lot of time sitting um, um, at, at the office, right? I'm treating patients. If I do sit down to type notes, it's really, you know, 30 minute little bursts. That's how I have it scheduled on my time. Um in the shed, so on my like content creation days or when I'm writing my blog posts, 
yeah, I, in fact, last week, I think I sat in the shed from 8am until one and Ben like brought out lunch for me. It was so wonderful. And I realized, oh my gosh, I have been sitting here all day. And after I ate, I went for a five mile hike because I just knew I needed to unwind all of that sitting. Yeah. I used to have, um, one of those ball chairs in our last office where it's a Ooh, big cool. physio ball. I, it was a big physio ball, but then rather having like it just roaming your room when you were there, it actually sat on a little stand with rollers. And I honestly don't know why we left that one so to practice. Like that that was definitely for me. <laughs> we leave that behind. Um, but yeah, I can tell just like sitting in my chair is not comfortable. But yeah, I can lose track of two or three hours if you're you're busy and you're you're working on content creation. Like I, this past week, I've been creating a lot of videos and presentation for some chiropractic seminars. And it's like, oh my goodness, I've got to get out of here. Plus I don't have a window in my office. So it's like, I walk out and I was like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. I definitely noticed my upper back suffers when I sit too much for too many hours on my computer. My upper back was a mess during chiropractic school um, because of the hours of studying and sitting that we had to do. That was, that was rough. And it got so much better as soon as I graduated and got to a different lifestyle of moving my body. Oh my God. My back was a mess from chiropractic school because I was pregnant twice. So all of that relaxing. And then I'm only being adjusted by students who don't know what they're doing yet. Yes. It took me several (laughs) years to recover from and strengthen, right? To create stability around all those unstable joints. Yeah, I started. Absolutely. I did develop some low back pain different than I have now um, when we were in chiropractic school. And it was like, it was always on one side. So I feel like I would tell that to, you know, these fresh green interns. And so they always want to pound on that side. But what I've come to know now is like, pretty sure the other side was the side that was locked up. And the one that was hurting was because it was moving too much, you know? (laughs) So. Just needed an overall evaluation, somebody more uh, experienced in that to, uh, to take that body with him. That's another thing I try to teach my patients all the time is pain is not um, terribly diagnostic of what is wrong with you. You know, the, the, the pain is just whatever screaming the loudest at the moment because your brain can only process so much pain at one time. Literally, there's filters that make it so that you're not feeling everything at once. Um, and so very often... You know, there's other things that are involved, not just the place where it hurts the bat the most. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, one of the presentations that I made this week was on integrating acupuncture into your practice, and so I talked about that. In a lot of the communication that I have with my patients is, you know, it's not necessarily like we're doing acupuncture with only sticking the needles, you know, in the place that hurts. Although that sometimes is what's indicated. It's really about modulating the signals that your brain is receiving because the brain, the pain is perceived in your brain, right? Not necessarily just in your back. So we have to work with the whole system to try to overcome, you know, that episode or it may be chronic. You know, I saw a lot of veterans um, in my practice and a lot of that, you know, chronic pain has just been there for so, so long. There's a lot of things you can do to, to help it. That's such a good point, Holly. That's a lot of what I love about acupuncture is it's not just necessarily treating the place that hurts, it's treating the way pain is um, modulated in your brain and how that those pathways work. And that's why it can be so helpful with really chronic stuff. Yeah, I think it's about time to wrap it up, ladies. Anything else you want to add at the end of this conversation? I think it's just, you know, really important if you're out there and you're listening and you're not one of a, a Cairo mom like we are, um, you know, think about adding a chiropractor to your healthcare team. I think it's a it's a different approach. Oftentimes, we just 
think things, think about things differently than the standard medical provider. Not to say there's anything wrong um, with that, but I'm I'm all about the team approach and um, you know finding what's efficient and what, what works for you. So. If you are looking, you know, reach out to us. It doesn't matter. I know um, I personally know chiropractors all over the globe. So from wherever you are listening, I probably can give you some resources to find a chiropractor. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We're really grateful that you're tuning in week after week. We're just having a blast with this. We love getting together to chat and just hit record at um, the same time. Um, So again, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, we'd be really grateful or sharing this with somebody that you think needs to hear this. We would be really appreciative of that. Have a great day wherever you are. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining us today on the Cairo Mod Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear our next episode. And follow us on Instagram at Cairo Mod Podcast.